Welcome back to Defenders of the Bank with Philly and... The Scarf. We're calling this episode Mile High Mishaps. Welcome back indeed. The second half of the season is upon us, as we know, and it's safe to say, Scarf, that the first half of the season, LAFC dominated the league, wouldn't you say? Look, you like to say it, we're not only the best in the West, but we're also... The best best in the the MLS. MLS. That's right. And I also say we feast on the East and... We best the West. And the first half of the season, it was all LAFCs for the taking. One loss in 17 games. We looked absolutely fantastic. It was 27 days, though, since our last MLS League game. I know we've played plenty of Open Cup games, but 27 days since our last MLS League game. This was a very different starting 11 than we have had for most of our other MLS League games. And I keep emphasizing that because, again, 27 days since our last MLS game. Traveling to Mile High, it didn't look great. We've got a lot to talk about in terms of the game recap. But after we talk about the starting lineup, I'm going to give you guys a little insight. It's called Schedule with the Scarf, and we are going to talk quite a bit about why I was completely okay with the starting lineup and sort of the way that we played in this game. Okay, and as a quick reminder, if you weren't paying attention for the first half of the season, we come into the second half with a 16-1-4 record. Home, we're still undefeated, 7-0-1. Away, 4-1-3. We maintain a lead in the race to the Supporters' Shield with a league-leading 37 points. We have a goal-scoring average of 2.31. We have the golden boot leader in Carlos Vela. Vela is tied with pesky Portland midfielder Diego Valeri at 10 assists. We have a staggering goal differential of 26. Behind us would be the Philadelphia Union, who sit on top of the East right now with a goal differential of 11. Other than that hiccup in Vancouver, as we alluded to, that we're going to avenge on July 6th back at the bank, we for the most part have been unstoppable. But there's still so much football left to play, and we haven't run away with the league yet, as last night's game would be the indicator. But you get to a point where you start to think to yourself, the only team that could really beat LAFC is LAFC. More stats and more recaps later. We're going to talk about this day in LAFC history with the scarf. That's right. We're going to give you the match recap versus Colorado. We're going to give you our wait. What? Segment of the show. The new segment, Scheduling with the Scarf. This will be a fun one. And, of course, we're going to talk to you, give you some pertinent information in regards to our July 6th tailgate. But let's get to it. Go ahead, Scarf. Yeah, so it's time for this day in LAFC history. We're going to keep this one pretty short. Of course, we are recording this episode. This is a rare one, Philly. We're actually recording this episode the day after the game. Normally, you and I, we record right after the game ends. We give our quick knee-jerk reaction, some insightful thought every now and then. But <laughs> some. this is the day after. It is a beautiful Saturday, June 29th here at Philomonster Studios in Burbank, California. This day in LAFC history one year ago today june 29th 2018 it was the first episode of beta time with stephen betashore on youtube stephen betashore hopefully a future guest on the pod sometime soon stay tuned we are trying to work that out right now with aubrey and we cannot wait we hope we can make it happen but anyway this is the one year anniversary of beta time with stephen betashore Also, this day in LAFC history, if you happen to be listening to this tomorrow, June 30th, that is the one-year anniversary of Adama Diamande scoring the first hat trick in team history 
after a home win over the Philadelphia Union 4-1. to It was at the 25th minute, 43rd minute, 55th minute, and the nail in the coffin provided by Latif Blessing, a goal in the 96th minute of that game, a 4-1 victory over Philadelphia at home. One more this day in LAFC history, though, coming up in our wait. What moment of the podcast. So that has been this day in LAFC history. All right. On to the match recap. As we mentioned earlier, LAFC, best in the West and the best Best in in the the MLS. MLS. As we lead the league in goals scored, our counterparts for the evening couldn't really buy a goal. At .94 goals per game, the only other team that is doing worse in that category is FC Cincinnati. Colorado has played one more game than us and is coming into the matchup with a 4-9-4 record. Despite having a start that would make most fans want to ingest enough gasoline to power a fiat, the Rapids have achieved a few ticks in the win column. Since their first win and upset of the Galaxy in Carson on May the 19th, they managed four wins and two ties in their last six matchups coming into tonight. The only blemish that occurred since the Galaxy win was that embarrassing exit out of the Open Cup to the hands of New Mexico United. A lot of this can be the result of the firing of Anthony Hudson. Interim gaffer Connor Casey taking on the role has obviously injected a great deal of positivity into this club. To reference our good friend Alicia Rodriguez at Angels on Parade, by the way, condolences on the loss of your pup, Luca. You know, thoughts and prayers going out. But bringing in Abubakar and Jonathan Lewis certainly has helped a great deal. Scarf. Another interesting thing I read on Angels on Parade. Yes. If you haven't checked them out, by the way, for you listeners out there, Angels on Parade is great. They are a fantastic source for LAFC news. For the record, I have checked them out. Okay. Well, yes. so, so have I. There you go. <laughs> the funny bit I read was that our, about our old friend, Benny Failhaber. That's right. The former fighting Failhabers. Yeah. The article mentioned how things weren't necessarily clicking for him, and that's because of his tender young age at 34. Benny wanted to be on a team that could compete for championships. So... Benny does what Benny does. Benny went back on a jet and rejoined Sporting Kansas City. But since Benny's departure, the Rapids have gone 6-1-0 and and Sporting Kansas City has gone 2-2-3. Ironic, don't you think? Shout out Alanis Morissette. So I'm not going to put all of that on Benny Failhaber because I don't think Benny Failhaber unfortunately does enough during the course of a match to affect a team so adversely. But I will say this. We came into this game the two hottest teams in the MLS. Like you mentioned, look, unbeaten in their last six coming into this. Obviously, LAFC on quite a roll since that loss to Vancouver now, what, almost two months ago. So you're talking about two teams that have really gone on a tear and two teams that certainly didn't want to have this large Open Cup, Gold Cup break that we have had to kind of shuffle the lineups and switch the mojo. And I felt like that was a big part, unfortunately, of what happened in this game. Look, I'll talk more about this after we reveal the starting lineups of the game, but I had no problem with the lineup we ran out there. I had no problem really with the way that we played because I don't think that we came into this game wanting anything more than to hold a tie. And I'll talk more about that in the scheduling section. But it was one of those games where I thought Bob Bradley put a lineup out there that he thought would be able to tread water against a very game, very hot home Colorado team. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen. I mean, we're not going to bury the lead. Look, we looked terrible. We lost one nothing in this game, but we dominated possession. We played well enough. And to be perfectly honest, again, no issues with what happened during this game. Colorado, a team sitting in 12th place in the West. 
They really have nowhere to go but up the table, and this is what makes them dangerous. LAFC had their only loss on the road in Vancouver. The Rapids weren't favored by any means, but like any team in their situation, that makes them dangerous. If they win, clearly viewed as a step in the right direction for Casey and his crew. If they lose it, it'll be one of those, eh, we were expecting this type of a situation. Sometimes you end up playing at the level of your opponent. Scarf mentioned we lost 1-0. Colorado, if they were going to do anything, they were going to give LAFC a little bit of the how's your father. If LAFC played to the level of their opponent, which they most certainly did, Colorado definitely gave them a bit of the who's your father, and LAFC could have had a nice stroll through the mile-high city. What, wait, what is that How high? What? What's that? <laughs> I'm just curious. A bit of the how's your father? Yeah. I mean, it's just a politer way of saying, who's your daddy? Oh, okay. All right. How's your father? (laughs) We're very polite here on Defenders of the Bay. Shout out Austin Powers. If, like, LAFC could have had a nice stroll through the Mile High City. How high? So high that I could kiss the sky. But Mile High City is called that for a reason. And it has zero to do with the legalization of marijuana. It has to deal with elevation. And this is a factor for any team in any sport that rolls in the Colorado. The air is different in Colorado than it is in L.A. Scarf. But who trusts air they can't see, right? (laughs) Either way, the only team that could truly beat LAFC is LAFC. In case you guys haven't noticed, he spent a lot of time preparing his notes for this game. A little light into our scheduling for the day. Today again, Saturday, June 29th. We are both trying to record this episode, the Defenders of the Bank game recap against Colorado. Plus, we've got the Defenderettes coming in to do a recap of the Women's World Cup match hot on the heels of now their semifinal appearance, which the girls will talk about. Rapino, Rapino. It's been an interesting day here at Philomonster studios we got here bright and early and are just only now starting to record it's been a fun one so now that we're uh, all set to record two episodes on the same day philly let's talk about a little bit of the history between these two teams i know last year was a pretty successful year for lafc against the colorado rapids indeed it was and we have to be thankful to a certain degree for the rapids the last time these two teams met, our 3 nil schmammering of Colorado on October the 6th led us to clinch our first ever playoff berth. Now, I know we have a Scarf Stradamus in our studio. Yes, we do. But what about a Philly Stradamus? What do I mean? I foresee this statistic landing on a future episode and a future segment of this day in LAFC history. Pinky up, Dr. Evil style. I see this happening. As I mentioned, our last encounter with them, we won 3-0. The counter before that, in August, we won 2-0. We are 2-0 against Colorado coming into this matchup, but it wasn't meant to continue without a blemish. Let's get into yesterday's matchup, Scarfy. Yeah, so let's talk about the starting lineups first coming into this game. And this is where I want to have a little segue here. We're going to call this scheduling with the scarf, if you don't mind. Now, we haven't gone through our starting 11, but look, here's what we knew. Coming into the game, our 18, which was a 19, initially tweeted out by LAFC. Little Danila Silva action there, who was initially ruled in and then out. Um, kind Did of you like, the apology that they That was. Had. That was very nice of them. Yeah, so we had in our 18, Eduardo Tuesta, and that was kind of a false 18 because what Bob had said both before the game and after, this was a rest day for Eduardo Tuesta. He has done so much for this team in the midfield that he really wasn't an option. Apparently, it was also a rest day for Christian Ramirez, although it's not like he's been taxed too much lately with the emergence of Adama Diamande back healthy again. 
and the occasional emergence of the Fito Zelaya experience. So we had really two guys in our 18, two guys in our subs of seven that weren't going to be used as well as our boy making his first ever MLS 18, Philip Ejimadu. Yeah, Philip. So you're talking about your seven really being reduced to four, and we actually wound up using three of those. The only one who we didn't use, this was kind of a cool story. We recalled Dejan Jakovic from the Las Vegas Lights, which, by the way, I know, Philly, you and I are really excited to sit poolside for a Las Vegas Lights matchup to go see Dejan. And two shot, two dollar shots of tequila, <laughs> and Vegas, and what Vegas. Could go wrong. But that being said, look, you had no Tyler Miller, no Walker Zimmerman, no Mark Anthony K, no Peter Lee Vassell. The reason why those are so big, you're talking about an all star midfielder, an all star defenseman who's actually going to be starting in the game. And look, I know. Nick Ramondo is retiring, and it was really cute that the commissioner made his pick for Nick Ramondo, and I get why he did it. That's all well and good. By the way, that was kind of a shot in the face to Tim Howard because who knows if Tim Howard's going to come back next year, and that guy has done more for sure for the Colorado Rapids than Nick Ramondo has done for Real Salt Lake this season. I think he should have just had a third commissioner's pick and put them both in the All-Star game. No who doubt. Cares? More for U.S. soccer than what Nick Ramondo did. I Absolutely. Mean, do you remember that game against Belgium Ten in the World saves. Cup? Ten saves. I remember I remember reading the New York Daily News like the day after and it was like a picture of him holding the Titanic. Yeah, no, he was absolutely incredible in that game. He has been a linchpin in U.S. soccer history. Totally believe he should have been an all-star. But we have two all-stars on LAFC who are not here in Walker Zimmerman and Mark Anthony K. Obviously, Tyler Miller, who absolutely, in my opinion, should have been an all-star. You have Steven Bateshore, who started in this game, which was a little bit of a surprise for us there, Philly, but clearly not 100%. And we'll talk more about that as Mohamed El Manir came on later to replace him. Danilo Silva, a little bit of a surprise being called out for this game with a hamstring injury. He had been playing really well for us, too. Look, we are really deep at LAFC. There is no doubt about that. But having to play all of your depth at once, that is a problem. We had four players in our 11 who are not starters with Pablo, Tristan. Name that Perez in our starting lineup, Philly. Name that Perez. Yeah, Josh Perez had his first MLS start. I wanted to give a shout-out to Beta. Welcome back. It was his first game after sustaining that injury on the road. It was a hamstring. And at this point, Scarf, I know exactly what that feels like. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram. I tore something in my hamstring at last week's kickball tournament. And if you want to see the fattest and most colorful bruise this side of Rainbow Road and Super Mario Kart, hit me up. Yeah. that's you're absolutely right Philly you can absolutely relate to a pro athlete hurting themselves while chasing down a guy who was about to score a goal as you hurt yourself playing kickball oh yes the stories of the old (laughs) I ain't as good as I once was shout out to Toby Keith oh my goodness so you know we have all this depth Lee Wynn our fourth guy who was in the starting lineup who's not normally a starter although he is obviously an MLS caliber quality player one of the best midfielders in MLS history really but Tristan Blackman coming back down to earth didn't help. All of that depth being tested all at once didn't help. And I got to tell you, I loved everything about the way that Bob lined up to play this one. And here's why. We're calling it schedule with the scarf because things go absolutely crazy. And then we get a nice little break. And then things go absolutely crazy again, assuming we win one game. So here's how it works. We had a game June 28th yesterday at Colorado. Five days later, 
we play Sporting Kansas City at Sporting Kansas City. Three days later, we come all the way back home to take on Vancouver in a game that we are going to not only avenge the loss, but have an awesome tailgate, and we'll talk more about that later. (laughs) Four days after that, we get a home match, U.S. Open Cup quarterfinal against Portland. Two days after that, we have to fly to Houston to play the Dynamo. We are talking about five games in 15 days. Of course, Bob Bradley is trying to rest players, trying to mix some people in, trying to get some additional minutes for some guys to give them some extra experience. And oh, by the way, while all that is going on, Mark Anthony Kay has a game with Canada on June 29th. If they win, they have another game on July 2nd. And if they win again, I believe it's another game on July 7th. And while all that is going on, on June 30th, the U.S. men with Walker Zimmerman and Tyler Miller play Curacao. If they win, they'll take on the winner of Jamaica Panama, which, oh, by the way, has Peter Lee Vassell (laughs) potentially playing a couple of games. Look, we have so many games happening for the LAFC players through July 12th, and then we get to take a little breather, except we kind of don't. Because we have seven days after July 12th for our next game. And that's a small game being played at a, a park in Carson that I think a lot of us are going to try to attend. But look, we have seven days to rest, seven days to recoup, seven days to put in the game plan until that game on the 19th. And then we have another seven days. So a nice long break. We're talking about two games in 14 days. But who's that next game against? Oh, only the reigning champion Atlanta United with Joseph Martinez and Pity Martinez and an incredible roster who has really taken a turn now up the standings in the Eastern Conference. And then we have eight days until our next game, but that means we have to go all the way to Gillette Stadium in New England to play the Revolution. So look, yes, it seems like a lighter schedule where we have three games in 22 days after we have five games in 15 days, but then it gets crazy again. This is unbelievable. We could potentially have another six games in 20 days. Are you kidding me? We have the Open Cup semifinal. Then we have a home match against your New Jersey Red Bulls there, Philly. And then we have a game at... Real Salt Lake. Then we have a home game against the Smurfs. Then we have the home showdown against Carson. And then potentially the Open Cup final on August 27th. We have six games in 20 days. I just tore my other hamstring listening to this, dude. That's insane. This is why, look, I get that we want to win the Supporter Shield. We want to win the MLS Cup. But what I love about the way that Bob started this game is, to me, it signals that Bob Bradley wants to win the Open Cup this season. He knows we have a test on July 10th at home versus Portland. This is an away match for Colorado. If you can steal a point on the road, everybody knows that that is a satisfactory result. Now look, is it a satisfactory result for a team that has been smashing everybody like LAFC has? No, I get it. Okay. But I feel like this game, Bob wanted to keep it 0-0-1-1. And we had plenty of opportunities as we will go through in the game recap. Our next game, again, at Sporting Kansas City, another game where I think Bob is going to coach it so that we can try to steal a point on the road. The July 6th home match against Vancouver, I think what he's going to do there is tune everybody up so that we can be ready for our home showdown against who apparently LAFC is calling one of our rivals, the Portland Timbers, July 10th, to make it to the semifinal of the Open Cup. And then another game on the road at Houston where I think we're going to rest some more. So look, 
Yes, we lost one nothing, but we dominated possession like we'll talk about. We generated plenty of opportunities with a roster that would not normally be our starting 11. Do I like to lose? No, never. I never want to lose. I don't care if it's my Jewish synagogue league softball that I play in on Sundays or if it's LAFC matches. It doesn't matter to me. Look, I play dodgeball with my kids at the summer camp that I run. You better believe I'm trying to get as many of them as I can before they get me. Now, look, I still lose all the time because the kids love it when they beat me, and that's fine. But I don't like to lose. I don't care if it's one nothing to Colorado, and I don't care if it's the Sinai Sluggers losing a game to whoever it is we're playing that weekend. And that has been scheduling with the scarf. <laughs> wait, wait, you mentioned your synagogue league. I was thinking about that episode in Family Guy where Stewie's at like, 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 like a Jewish school. And they're on the field, and there's a soccer ball in front of him, and he kicks it like two inches, and he got like go, the athlete oh. of the century. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was that was really funny. Oh. The scheduling situation, dude. I'm sweating just hearing it because not only is LAFC gonna do this, we're gonna have a ton of pocket. We're gonna be at 50 in like the next like like five days. It's it's insane the amount of body of work and the amount of podcast we have produced in a short amount of time. But I can't wait. This Gold Cup, the Open Cup. I have such a desire for football. I I haven't been paying attention to baseball. Why? Because I'm a Mets fan and the Mets <laughs> suck. We've been losing. The Dodgers have been really exciting to watch. They're having a historic season, but they've, I haven't been paying attention. Because I was more interested in watching Paraguay and, and Chile and, 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 and the U.S. and then the Women's World Cup. I, I love this. This is the most football I've seen in a long time. And I've taken a lot of awfully long lunch breaks. But that's besides the point. Let's get into the match recap. LAFC comes in normally with their 4-3-3 formation. They did that. Colorado normally lines up in a 4-2-3-1, which they have done in previous matches. Today they did a 4-4-1-1. In goal they had Old Man Howard. They had Vines, Smith, Abubakar, Rosenberry, Frankenberry, Cereal. We haven't had breakfast. Here's a fun one. Shinyashiki. I hope I pronounced it right. You Price, did. Good Wilson, job. Rubio, Acosta, Kai Kamara. That is the Colorado lineup. And let's get right into it. The first 15 minutes of this matchup were dominated by LAFC. It didn't seem like Colorado had their foot on the ball. As per Angels on Parade's article this morning, 77% possession in the amount of time belonged to LAFC. Ball possession means nothing if you can't score. Just ask the Germans when they played Mexico in the opening round of last year's World Cup, which Scarf does not like to, you know, remind me about sarcasm. First half, there was really only one opportunity for either team to score. It took 40 minutes for that to happen. Shinyashiki bent the ball in the box like Hulk Hogan would bend a metal pipe. Cisniega being the sinister keeper that he is, in his reaction time, intercepted that cross before it landed in a lethal position on that field. And that was your first half, really. Probably the most lackluster 45 minutes we have seen all season, if not since the birth of the club. True to form, we dominated possession, but without any real attempts, we roll into the second half, 0-0. And at the conclusion of this recap, when I read you the match statistics, you are going to be stunned by the amount of shots on goal that both team had. Yeah, you know, look, it, you were absolutely right to speed through the first half of this game. And I thought at halftime, Bob must have been thinking, you know what? This is good. This is good. All right, 0-0, zero, zero, playing for a point on the road. Things look okay. Second half, Pablo Cisniega has given us a couple of clean sheets, played really well. But unfortunately, they got to him in the 49th minute. 
And this is where I thought we were really missing the presence of a Walker Zimmerman or even the presence of a guy like Danilo Silva on that back line. He's bigger. He's more physical. Look, Tristan Blackman gave the ball away a ton this game and really didn't have that kind of monster effort that we've seen from him in the last couple of Open Cup matches. He kind of came back to earth a little bit here in this game. So we really saw missing the veteran presence of a guy like Danilo Silva, missing clearly the veteran presence of one of the best defenders in the MLS in Walker Zimmerman. It was one of those plays where... We've been pretty solid on set pieces all throughout the season. We've given up very few goals on set pieces. Pablo couldn't quite get to it. I I think what we saw here is a goal that you give up when you're missing all of the players that we are. When you have your backup goalie in there who really hasn't had a ton of MLS action. I know a couple of open cut matches, plenty of time in practice playing against the best team in the MLS, but... It was one of those things where we just didn't look quite as organized off of that goal in the 49th minute by Danny Wilson. Danny Air Wilson, because he leapt over Eddie Segura like Jordan leapt over Patrick Ewing in the 94 NBA playoffs. He connected head on leather. Cisniega's reaction was on point. He got his hand on it, but the deflection hit the top of the crossbar and it ended up going in. I mean, right off the bat... Colorado comes in three minutes into the second half, scoring a goal, and here we are in unfamiliar territory, down a goal. But you want to fast forward, what was it, maybe four minutes or so later? An experience. Lightning! That we don't have here in L.A. Once in a blue label, we here in L.A. experience lightning storm delays. Yes, I said blue label. Normally it's once in a blue moon, but we're drinking scotch this morning. Shout out Ron Burgundy. But... 52nd minute, both teams head to the locker room. Well, that's when the party really started at all these uh, you know, watch parties. I'm sure everybody had a grand old time in between then. I honestly lost track of the actual amount of time that occurred from the time that both teams went to the locker room and the time everybody came out. But was this a momentum killer? I don't know. The last time we had weather obstructions, we came out to win, but not this time. Bob changed his lineup right after the rain delay. We really can play the game. Name that Perez. Ooh, 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 Adrian. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Thank you. Well, you realize that 33.33% of the name that Perez is, is out for the season. Well, one was already in the game, too, so I know it could have been that one. We were down to just the one other Perez on our roster, so it had to be Adrian. And look, here's what I want to say about Adrian Perez real quick, if you don't mind. You, LMU boy, that's all you. A- LMU Indoor soccer to the MLS. You've heard us talk about it time and time and time and time again. He is one of the best stories in the MLS right now. We're going to talk about a moment, though, in the 70th where, oh, my goodness, I want this kid to score so badly. But let's go to the 53rd minute, if you don't mind. So we had Adrian Perez. We had Mohamed El Munir come in for beta. And if you saw the game, I think what happened was after they went into the locker room, Philly, beta cooled down a little bit. He was warmed up. He was ready to play. He got as much, we got as much out of him as we could. But after he came out from halftime, there was that small break. And I just felt like he looked off, didn't have his movement in the box on that goal, by the way, that we gave up. So it was a smart move there by Bob Bradley to bring in Mohamed El Munir for Steven Betashore. 53rd minute. It happened again, by the way, in the 92nd minute. So I'm going to talk about the one that happened in the 53rd minute. I am so tired of Diego Rossi trying to finesse a ball into the back of the net. 
It was a beautiful pass that set him up and the shot. He was trying to be cute with it. So he gets a little soft touch on it. Slam the ball home, Diego Rossi. Look, chicks dig the long ball. Crush that ball into the back of the net. Stop trying to get a perfect angle on it. Stop trying to look really good while you're doing it. Slam the ball home. These guys are not expecting a fastball. They're expecting the changeup from you every single time. And we need more from Diego Rossi in terms of being a finisher. I know he's in the top, what, 15 or 20 in the MLS in goals. But look, we need you to be a finisher because everybody, everybody is keying on the MLS MVP right now, Carlos Vela. They're putting two guys on him. They're putting three guys on him. And there was a beautiful through ball to you into the box, 53rd minute. We have to finish a goal like that. Yeah, and two minutes after that, Josh Perez had a shot that was stopped by old man Howard. Still waiting for Josh Perez to to score a goal. I feel like he's come close so many times. He is due. It would have been phenomenal for him to actually find the back of the net up in Mile High City, but that was not to be the case. Tim Howard, Everton legend, U.S. soccer legend. Old man Howard stops him. I love you, Tim Howard. I'm only saying that as a term of endearment because they start to call me old man Phil and then since I tore my freaking hamstring playing kickball. Kickball. that was within the 54th minute. Kickball. Fast forward 13 minutes later. He tore the Fito, The Fito frenzy is fed. When he enters his first MLS regularly scheduled matchup, he comes in for Josh Perez. Now, we can't play name that Perez anymore because we used all of our options. Ah, but in the 70th minute, we can play name that Perez because Adrian Perez... Checks into the game, has a beautiful run, trailing on the play. Nobody picked him up. He comes in clean and puts it over the crossbar. He couldn't settle the ball with his first touch. I was so hoping that we would be able to celebrate an Adrian Perez goal in the 70th minute. He had a field goal that would make Johnny Hecker jealous. Oh, my God, Johnny Hecker. He's he's my favorite. Johnny Hecker. I want... Adrian Perez to score so badly. If you guys haven't checked out the piece on LAFC.com about his unusual track to the MLS, we've talked about it a ton here on the podcast, but LAFC.com just did a fantastic article. I believe it was Vince who wrote the article. Shout out to LAFC Vince. And I've got, of course, we've highlighted the Adrian Perez story several times. But, oh, man, he was right there on the doorstep. Not quite as difficult to sky that one over the crossbar as our friend Christian Ramirez a few games ago. But this one was pretty close. I wanted Adrian to score so badly there in the 70th. Oh, yeah. And the Fito frenzy almost was fed in the 71st minute. He had a right-footed shot that was saved by Tim Howard. Could you imagine how crazy... Everybody would have went had Fito actually scored a goal four minutes into the insertion of the lineup. Oh, Fito was a little goal happy, though. He was taking a lot of shots. Look, look, you can't win if you don't score and you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So Fito trying to get his name onto the score sheet, doing what he can, but I thought he came in a little goal happy and trying to strike a little bit too much. Strike hard, strike fast. No mercy, sir. I'm all right with the aggression. You were talking about Diego Rossi being cute. With, with trying to score, I'm envisioning a, a soccer ball, a football, going in with like a little like like pink ribbon bow when yeah. you're saying that. Yeah. Funny enough, but I mean, he's an aggressive player. He's been chomping at the bit to make his presence felt. He's a finisher. He's scored a lot of goals within his lifetime. I think we're going to see a Fito Zelaya goal much sooner than we're going to see a Josh Perez goal, a lot sooner than an Adrian Perez goal. 
probably even a lot sooner than another Christian Ramirez goal. What if in one of these schedule frenzied games that we have here over the next, you know, 15 days or so, what if all three of them got into a game and they all scored? How cool would that be? Well, then you're going to get an LMU tattoo. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And and the list goes on and on. By the way, we haven't forgotten about the tattoo episode. We are going to do a live Instagram TV of Philly getting an LAFC-style tattoo in the near future before the season ends. I can promise you that. But back to the game, and let's get a little handsy for, for a moment. No, thank you. Frankenberry. I'm sorry. Ever since I heard the name Rosenberry, all I can think of is... Frankenberry and Count Chocula and my inner Saturday morning child wants to have sweet cereal that is going to rot my teeth. But anyway, Vela with a try in the box connected with Keegan Rosenberry's legs and hands. We, did we get the call? We did not. Negative. Was it a controversial call though, Scarf? It was. My whole thing about it is this though, and Philly, you were actually in your episode notes for this. You are exactly right. Frankenberry? No, 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 no. The part about not leaving the game in the hands of the referees. You are <clears throat> absolutely right. Look, VAR, no VAR. Did they make the right call? We had plenty of opportunities to score in this game. You don't want to leave things in the hands of the referees. No. You are absolutely right, Philly. And bottom line is, look, we didn't get the call. Move on. We had plenty of other opportunities to score later in the game, especially, again, in the 92nd minute. With Diego Rossi being too cute in the box again. I don't know how. Please go back, go back and watch the highlight of this shot that Diego Rossi takes in the 92nd minute. How does a man who is moving forward into the box ready to take a shot, how do you fall down backwards after you make a connection <laughs> with the soccer ball? Honestly, the ball had nothing on it. No pace, no angle, no movement. I was really disappointed in the way that Diego Rossi played in this game, but none more so than in those 53rd and 92nd minutes where he was just trying to be way too cute with the ball. Please just hammer the ball home, Diego. We want you to score 25 goals a season. Make it happen. Unfortunately, that was right before they called it the end of the match, and we lose one nothing. And, and lose we did, and really that's all she wrote. Colorado did give us a bit of the how's your father. We played down to the level of our opponent. And the 16,000 fans, 15 of which were probably LAFC fans, that were in attendance were treated to a real lackluster of a match. That's fine. Let's read you the final stat line. Possession we dominated over the course of the entire matchup. We had 66% of possessions to Colorado's. 34. Shots. LAFC 12 to Colorado's. 7. Here's the real messed up part. Shots on goal. You ready? Ready. LAFC three. Colorado with two. Corners. They split it five apiece. Offsides. Colorado one to LAFC's zero. And in terms of saves, old man Howard with three. San Pablo with with one. With his first MLS save. It's not the offensively fueled juggernaut of a match we've grown to expect. But do we have any worries here at Defenders of the Bank? Should you fans out there have any worries? No. Personally, I feel that The pressure is off. We needed to lose in order to regroup, and we lost without our strongest lineup to a team that's been kind of hot. Yes, Colorado is on a winning streak, but I would rather lose to them on the road in the conditions that we had with a lot of our starters and a lot of our players out on international duty than losing at home against a good team. Colorado has improved. There's no doubt about that. They may even jump the pesky Portland Timbers at some point, but... 
their ship is getting steered in the right direction. If they make the playoffs, I'll be I'll be shocked, but our ship is fine. Our sails are fine. We really don't have anything to worry about, do we, Scarf? Look, I talked about it in my scheduling with the Scarf segment. That was another alliteration. Yours was really good, by the way. Fito Frenzy Fed, I think was what it was, right? Yeah, that was pretty solid. Triple F. Look, I will, the first family of falconry, Amanda McNook, we're going to see see Amanda McNook today, and that's a great segue into our wait. What? What moment of the podcast, Philly. We're trying to get this episode recorded, edited. We're trying to get the Defenderettes recorded and edited so that we can put it out soon. All because of something that is happening later on tonight at Bank of California Stadium. We're going on a field trip. We're going to go see the Misfits. We're going to go see Ross against the Cro-Mags, the anti-Nowhere League. The Distillers. The the Distillers. distillers. Don't forget the Distillers. I I, I can't wait. Back when I was in a band, I had the honor and privilege of opening up for the Michael Graves rendition of the Misfits. It was awesome. Get to see Danzig, Jerry Only. The match was so eh that our wait what moment was the fact that we're excited to go see the Misfits at the bank. This is going to be fantastic. These guys are from Jersey. They don't really play together all that much. I don't even think Danzig likes Jerry Only anymore. (laughs) But we're going to see that Here's an interesting story for you. Yes. Uh, Facts with Philly. Facts with Philly. (laughs) That's my quick story. Fun facts with Philly. So when the Misfits broke up in like the early 80s, I want to say it was like 83, 84, Danzig went off to form his own solo career. Yeah. The other guys of the Misfits really went to work factory jobs afterwards. The One of the ways they actually got found was Danzig's celebrity came up so high that people started paying attention to his old body of work. And then that got the Misfits revamped. In the early 90s, they, they signed a, a contract with Geffen. That was the label that produced Guns N' Roses and Nirvana's Nevermind and countless other gems. But the Misfits train kept rolling along. And I find that fascinating. But it's all about Danzig. As much as I love Michael Graves, as cool as he is, I listen to his Radio Deadly show all the time, the Misfits are Danzig. And, and, and that's the end of it. And you know what? It, it's a good kind of segue into the kind of lineup that we put out to this game as well, too. A few players getting a little bit more playing time than they normally would. But, oh, my goodness, we're going to go see the Misfits tonight. I am so excited. So stay tuned. We've got another episode planned right after the July 3rd Sporting Kansas City road game. All right. It's an earlier game for all of you out there. The game is at 530 Pacific Standard Time. So make sure you set the DVR or, of course, you get to whatever watch party that you're going to get to a little bit earlier because this game, 5.30, okay? So just in case you're trying to get somewhere, especially L.A., everybody's going to be coming out here for all the 4th of July celebrations and everything. That game on July 3rd against Sporting Kansas City. And by the way, I'm going to alienate some viewers right now, but I, viewers, listeners right now, I hate fireworks. I don't like fireworks. Why do you hate America? I don't hate America. I hate fireworks. Two different things. Here's the thing. But on 4th of July, that's like hating America. Yes. Okay. So I live in the beautiful city of Lawndale, California. I love Lawndale. Borders Manhattan Beach. Five minutes from the beach. Things are great. Except fireworks are legal. Not illegal. Legal in Lawndale. When they go on sale June 1st, all I hear all night, every night from June 1st, to August 1st is firework after firework after firework after firework. It sounds like a war zone in Lawndale for two months. I can't sleep. I don't really like loud noises like fireworks all that much, although I don't mind seeing the misfits. But I don't like fireworks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nina knows all about this. Scarfette knows I don't like fireworks. When we go to see fireworks shows, 
eh, not a big deal to me. When we go see Dodger Stadium, they have fireworks. Bank of California, July 6th, after the game, they're going to have a fireworks show. I might stay. Or I might just be in free play having some Julius Peppers. Because I would rather be doing that than watching fireworks. So look, the scarf doesn't hate America. I just don't (laughs) like fireworks. You know, on the mean streets of Forest Hills, Queens, we <laughs> loved our fireworks so much that we would actually launch bottle rockets at each other. <laughs> Not the safest of things to do, but <laughs> how many of you out there made all the greatest decisions when you were children? I don't think anyone's going to raise their hand saying they were completely pure. Yes, Andrew and, and Richie and Danny, you remember those bottle rocket wars. Those were fun. I almost got clipped one time, but I like fireworks. You sound like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, by the way, in Goodwill Hunting right now. Matt Damon. <laughs> Richie and Danny and Chrissy and Marky and Bobby Mickey, and Tommy. Marky, <laughs> How you like them apples? <laughs> oh, so again, look, please tune in to our next episode. We have a brutal schedule coming at us in the next 10 days. Look, we've got women's... Feed me more! <laughs> we've got Women's World Cup. We've got Gold Cup. We've got Open Cup. We've got Copa America. There is We've so... got USL. USL League One. That's right. NWSL. We're following all those great teams in the USL Championship Division. We're following Tucson FC for our boys, Philip and Lamar. Although Philip's with us right now, which is awesome. Yay! We've got so much going on. By the way, I would love to have seen Lamar Batista in the box on that play. The guy is, what, six foot five? Guys, built out of rock. The guy's massive. I would love get Lamar Batista out there. Free Lamar. Get him out of Tucson. Get him into the black and gold. I want to see Lamar Batista in a black and gold uniform playing in one of these games over the next 14 days. Make it happen, Bob. I know you listen to the podcast. You're a big fan. Get Lamar onto the pitch. If he was on the pitch, do you think Wilson would have soared over him and got that header? Absolutely no. not. He would have like had a fat elbow to the side of his temple. All right, so that being said, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening to another fantastic episode of Defenders of the Bank. We have to go get ready for the Misfits now, so you guys know how we like to end the episodes. Bye-bye.